It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, Louis DiBiase here of Locked On Eagles. Today's podcast is sponsored by Roman. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer lasting sex. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. Now, let's start up the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in. This is the Locked On Eagles podcast. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Victory Monday. It's the first time we can say that in a couple weeks. Again, Louis DiBiase here alongside my co-host, Gino Camilleri. The Eagles are at 4-4, four and four, and we said it the exact same way last year, Gino, when they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars to save their season, which is exactly what they did today on the road. Like it's you were saying it yesterday, time is just a flat circle. They go mm-hmm. on the road, taking on a, an AFC team with a great defense, like a, a tough environment. This, this year in Buffalo, we were at the game, which we'll get into that. Um, last year was in London, so not easy to travel there, and they pulled out probably their most complete game. So it was almost the exact same thing as in 2018. And I don't know, man, like, I just feel like that was the Eagles. We knew their backs against the wall season on the line. They came together and had their most complete game. And once again, against a team that doesn't have the best quarterback in Josh Allen, but overall has a pretty strong roster and was five and one for a reason. Yes, they have a pretty weak schedule, but like that's a, that's a good defense that Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson really had. I think they're, one of their stronger performances, and it just feels good. I mean, like 4-4 four and four is not where you want to be at the halfway point, but I'll take it considering the circumstances they were in over these past three weeks. Yeah, first off, I'm going to apologize for my voice. <laughs> it is in rough shape after yesterday. Had to go back and forth with all those Bills fans. A little yeah. back-and-forth banner made it fun. But yeah, Lou, we, we were talking yesterday, and I've said it time and time again, especially going into this game, our fans' confidence level was really down. Uh, BLG from... Leading Green Nation tweeted out that we had like a 7% fan confidence rating. It was like going lowest in the league, game. I think. It was third lowest in the league. Okay, uh, yeah. Washington was 1% and Atlanta was zero. And we were well, next at seven. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy to think because exactly a year ago, we were in the exact same situation. Three and four on the road against an AFC opponent in a tough environment against a good defense. How many times did I mention that the last two weeks when we were talking about this hey, exact I think, matchup? I think maybe the difference confidence-wise was the the sources last year, the stories didn't really come out until a few weeks later. I, it, was, it was really after that Saints loss where now we were kind of thinking, me and you said it, and uh, shout-out to the 4th and John guys who were nice enough to come in studio on Saturday with their trip to Buffalo. We were all talking about it, me, you, E-Rock, and Gail Saunders, that this game would either be 
okay, they're going to let all of that destroy them. Orlando Skander could be right about everything, or it's going to bring them closer together. And it's going to be the whole, you know, us against the world mentality like it has been for the past two years. And that, you know, Fletcher Cox said it after the game, that is what the result was yesterday. Yeah, and they didn't really get off to a hot start. It was, what, three points in the first quarter against a Bills team that struggles to score as well, and you saw that. But they really got it into gear when it mattered, and I'm still all in on the idea of taking those first 15 plays and just throwing them in the garbage because after that, they started to get it going. That The defense took over in that game. That was a great performance. Hats off to Jim Schwartz. You and I looked at each other a couple times when they were playing press coverage up at the line on third down. Almost the entire game they were doing that. Yeah, I mean, on third and four, they're playing press coverage. I'm like, wait, where are we? Who, Who are we watching? Absolutely, and we were waiting for Jim Schwartz to adapt. And the thing with him is is he's so stubborn. But the times he does adapt, great things happen. We mentioned the Houston game last year when they the Giants a game lot on of, Thursday night. I mean, Darby exactly, had his best performance yes. I've ever seen against the Giants and Odell Beckham, and it was because Schwartz adjusted. Yeah, and you have to in this NFL, and you have to adapt or die. And I think that Bills' game plan was to come out and throw against a weak pass offense. You saw that. Allen yeah. goes out there, throws 34 passes, only completes 16, 47% completion percentage. Carson Wentz, on the other hand, has never finished below 50% in completion percentage in his NFL career. Just going to throw that statistic <laughs> out there for everybody. True. But yesterday you saw it, and we talked about it time and time again. Josh Allen will make mistakes. This offense, The defense is going to have to put the offense in favorable field positions. And by the law of averages, we were not going to have two bad starts like we did the prior two weeks. And for once, the bounces came our way. Right off the bat, Fletcher Cox with the fastest sack of the week at 2.4 seconds, according to Next Gen Stats, creates a turnover immediately, got things going in the right direction, really set the tone. And man, if they got off the field on those third downs, the Bills may not have scored a touchdown the entire game. That that one touchdown drive, they converted those couple third and longs, couple stupid penalties, and the same with the next one. Both of the touchdowns were on third and long situations. But the defense looked good, and the offense did what it had to do without Deshaun. And I, I looked at you at one point towards the end of the game and kind of whispered it because Bills fans weren't too happy with me at that point. And I said, if Deshaun was playing in this game, we realistically could have scored close to 50 points. Oh, the yeah. They, they the football. Yeah, the fact that they put up 31 points despite the offense still being pretty compact is so impressive. And once again, like I was telling you yesterday, Orlando Skandrick just needs to say stuff every single week. Like Fox Sports 1, right. if you can pay this guy full time just to spew hot takes about Malcolm Jenkins and Lane Johnson, like I am all for it. Because once again, it was make or break time, do or die. Were they going to show that, yes, all of these problems really were part of the reason the Eagles' 2019 season was about to go off the rails, were we going to see maybe, yes, this locker room is broken? I saw the complete opposite yesterday. That was a team that came together, both sides of the ball. There were so many positive things that we're going to get into in segment two and three from the offensive side of the football that you were talking about, from the defensive side. It was, to me, their most complete game of the season. And that was, again, despite being on the road, uh, coming off, it's you know that's the end of a three-game road trip. They really did not uh, get the good end of the stick when it came to the schedule makers making that part of their schedule. A three-game road trip against three really good defenses, and you know I was wearing my poncho yesterday, Gino. It was a rainy day throughout before kickoff, so that didn't really help the you know conditions. And then the wind just did not stop throughout the game, so it wasn't easy to throw 
in that weather. So the fact that they got to four and four right now, again, not where you want to be. They should probably be six and two right now if it weren't for a couple of drops. But you know, a win's a win, and you know the Eagles like to say it all the time. They're one and zero this week, and they kept the season alive. I did not want to have to go through eight weeks of doing this <laughs> with the season pretty much gone. You know, especially with the trade mm-hmm. deadline tomorrow. So, um, and shout out real quick. Me and Gina were at the game. Shout out to Eagles fans. Me and you were talking, and uh, your fiance Jen um, and my girlfriend Kim were all just like in awe because that felt like a home game. I mean, we met some awesome really fans did. from the two one five, and man, there was so much green in that stadium. Eagles fans travel really well. I mean, that's a six hour drive, so it's not too bad, and they showed up. Yeah, they really did, and it felt like a home atmosphere. We were sitting around the sidelines, but well, not on the field before the game started. And uh, we'll we'll talk about what we said to Howie Roseman in segment three when oh, we yes, talk we about will. the trades. We, we got a big insider scoop coming your way. But yeah, looking around, just it was great to see everybody. Everybody that I was talking to didn't seem too down. I mean, as much as the fan confidence was down, according like to to the national media, there were still close to fifteen to twenty thousand Eagles fans there, without a doubt. There was a ton of green there. By the end of the game, when all the Eagles fans left, they crowded around and they filled up a good amount of the lower bowl. And man, they're the best fans of the world for a reason. They, they'll travel travel better than anybody. They're they're a great fan base, and I'm happy that they're always around. And I, I love traveling with the, the Midnight Green. I'll go anywhere with them. I, I want to start going to some new stadiums myself. So the Green Legion guys, they did a great job with Fourth and John, and they travel better than I'd say just about any team in the NFL. You, uh, by the way, are the chirpiest person I've ever been to a game with. <laughs> yeah. like, that was all. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, there were some Bills fans, and uh, you and a bunch of Eagles fans were in the uh, section that we were sitting in and just going back and forth. I mean, I said Josh Allen stinks. Spot the lie. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, it, When you true. started throwing around, Nick Foles is won the Super Bowl for us and Carson Wentz isn't a good quarterback and he's it's injury the prone. Eagles the same lamest narratives have. we've yeah. heard time and time again. Carson Wentz is now on pace for the, his second best season in his entire career. What he did yesterday, a guy who played in a dome his entire college career outdueled a player who was brought in to quote play in the elements in Josh Allen, who only completed 47% of his passes and underthrew a ball while throwing into the wind. Yeah, Robert Foster had Ronald Darby beat, and there was no safety over top to help, and Allen just underthrew it by like 10 yards. I said, uh, I'm pretty sure I said this to you yesterday, and I said it when I hopped on the pod yesterday with the PSN guys. At no point in that game yesterday was I sitting there and thinking, Man, I would rather take Josh Allen over Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, yes, he only completed he completed seventy five percent of his passes, less than two hundred yards, but he was efficient with the football. And we talk about him not forcing things and given what was taken to him. That was the unequivocal perfect definition of a great Carson Wentz game and a great game where you win in the trenches with your offensive line now on two impressive road victories in Lambeau Field and in Orchard Park, two of the roughest environments, your offensive line dominated. Well, that's why I feel like, you know, two games. that's why I feel better. And last year, they, their record should have been better than 4-4, four and four, right? Because they blew that game against sure. the Panthers the week before. They blew the game in Tennessee against the Titans. So they arguably also should have been 6-2. and two. But this year, I feel better because the teams that they've beaten – 
And the teams that like Carson Wentz has looked good against. I mean, for as bad as that Minnesota loss was, I thought Carson Wentz was slinging it all over the field. I thought mm-hmm. Carson Wentz had one of his best performances that I've seen throughout his four-year career. So that's why I'm still encouraged because, yes, you have a daunting couple games coming up here. I mean, Chicago next week, which isn't tough considering the, they're reeling right now, especially with Trubisky mm-hmm. at quarterback. But then you got the Patriots and the Seahawks. But I feel good because then after that, there's this five-game you know, trip where, you know, it's mostly home games and you don't have to go on a plane. You have to go on a plane one more time this year to Miami and that's going to probably be a vacation for them. Mm-hmm. So like that's honestly could be a five game winning streak that you still have coming up and they've beaten some really good teams on the road still. So they're, they're four and four, but I just, I've been impressed with a lot of the, yes, the two blots were bad these last two weeks, but before that I'm thinking, they're right where we thought they should be if one or two plays, you know, go the other way. Without a doubt. And yesterday, it's another good Buffalo team that had something to prove. Even though we have said time and time again, we don't trust Josh Allen, which why they gave that Josh Allen that many opportunities is beyond me. But I trusted Carson Wentz and I trusted Doug Peterson to get his team ready after the biggest loss of the season. And he is now 3-1 and one in those games coming off of biggest of his biggest loss in each respective season. And the only loss being in 2016 where they lost by two points to the Washington Redskins. So they respond well under pressure. They respond when their back is against the wall. They responded last year in the exact same scenario. And they responded yesterday in the exact same scenario. And after the first quarter, I, it was kind of like up and down, but once they got to Josh Allen and they were getting off the field and they were creating turnovers, I kind of put my mind at ease because you didn't see that against Dak Prescott. You didn't see that against Kirk Cousins the week prior. You weren't getting to him. You weren't creating turnovers. The pressure wasn't getting there because the coverage wasn't there. I think we could put the case to rest that coverage matters more than pass rush when you don't have a coverage because you saw what happened when you played at the line of scrimmage with your guys yesterday, and Josh Allen had to go beyond his first read. Yeah, your pressure got there. Yeah, because you could still get there. Again. You could still get there in two seconds, and that still might not be enough time. So, yeah, the fact that that all if your corners can buy you, and this is why I like press coverage a lot more, and you can still prevent the deep ball with safeties over mm-hmm. top. The reason I like it is because you know jamming them at the line, making them work to create separation. That's going to free up, even if it's a half a second more, one second. That might be all Fletcher Cox needs to get there, or Brandon Graham. So, yeah, I'm with you, dude. I think that was overall their one of their most impressive wins. And to be there in person was awesome. And once again, shout-out to Eagles fans. Shout-out to Fourth and John for making the time to come on the podcast Saturday. That was a lot of fun. It, it was all, overall just a great weekend. And now me and Gino, we feel avenged from that offsides game in 2011. And... Uh, We'll eight see them years in the making. Well, yep, eight years in the making, and we'll see them in another eight years. We got to hit one break here coming up on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. We're going to continue to get into the takeaways. We'll go deeper into the game from the offensive side of the football and the defensive side of the football. And then, hey, the NFL trade deadline is tomorrow at four o'clock. And there's been some moves being made by other teams. Me and Gino, uh, we kind of communicated with Howie Roseman yesterday in a way. We'll get into that and see what the Eagles could do now that they're 4-4 four and four and probably our buyers now at the deadline. So that's coming up as well on this Monday edition of Lockdown Eagles. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Today's podcast is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, this isn't just for all of you out there who can't perform. It's for anyone who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Listen up. It's Blue Chew. Blue like the color blue. It's prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so there's no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, none of that awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal. For our Locked On Eagles listeners, visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code LOCKDOWN. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKDOWN to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Eagles podcast today. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Locked On Eagles Podcast. Louis DiBiase and Gino Camilleri recapping the Eagles' 31-13 win over the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, like there's a lot of good things that I want to get into here from an offensive perspective, also from a defensive perspective. But one thing that I was hoping we would see more consistent, something that I was really disappointed in, was Doug Peterson's play calling. And overall, just the execution was has been very inconsistent throughout the season. But yesterday, I mean, Doug Peterson... We were calling for it all week, you know, some misdirection, reverses, counters, screens. Doug Peterson was on his A game yesterday. I mean, both touchdowns, I was over the moon with the way he dialed that up. Like the Dallas Goddard touchdown in the red zone, he faked that signature. He had Carson Wentz pump fake that signature Alshon Jeffrey screen that people always think is coming, and he almost used that predictability to his advantage going to Goddard on the opposite end. And then the Sanders touchdown, that 65 or 67-yard run, he had a two running back backfield, 21 personnel. Howard, Jordan Howard, the lead block, destroys Matt Milano, and then Sanders goes off to the races. So that was, like to me, a vintage Doug play-calling game, and it was very playoffs versus Atlanta-esque, if you agree. Like 2017, a lot of RPO, a lot of play action, that kind of stuff. I thought overall it was a hell of a, a, hell of a game by Doug Peterson. Yeah, and we were kind of questionable on this Buffalo defense if Matt Milano was going to play, and he ends up playing. And I, I was skeptical that they were going to be able to move the ball that well in that situation. But, man, they did a great job at it. They, they took what was given to them in the past game, especially in the elements. They drew up things to mismatches. You had uh, Dallas Goddard getting open against Micah, uh, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer all game long. Elshon Jeffrey, dude, was creating – uh, separation on Tredavious White. Yeah, he was. And coverage, which is great to see. He looks fully healthy from that cap injury. And he had a big 38-yard reception down the left sideline that set That's up one the of those touchdowns. That's the second consecutive week that they have hit him in that honey hole where they're playing yeah. zone coverage. The safety seemed to not get enough depth on that one, and they just got him right in the perfect position for a 30-yard strike. That was a beautiful ball from Carson Wentz. Great play from Elshon Jeffrey. Great play from the tight ends. The blocking was phenomenal, and when this Eagles offensive line just churns, that's when it's the best. And how we, and, uh, Doug Peterson in his press conference today said that he had to attribute 
that play call, the 21 personnel, the long Miles Sanders run to Jeff Stoutland. And it just seems like just such a Jeff Stoutland thing to do. Yeah, we're going to have everybody on the field and everybody's going to block for our running back. That's just like such an offensive line coach mentality that do you everybody's agree? just going to, we're going to ground and pound and yeah. take the yards. And Sanders, I, I, I said it yesterday and I looked at you and it was kind of like a, a proud dad moment. I was like, that's your guy. I was like, hats off. I was like, that that is your guy, and you've been waiting for that moment. And oh he finally gosh, yeah. did it. He broke off this. I said he, he kind of equates to, like, Ronald Jones when he was at USC. Like, you just kind of lose him in the offensive line, and then all of a sudden he's at the second level, and then all of a sudden he's down the field, you know. And he, Ron Joe's done that a little bit in his second year in Tampa this year, and Miles Sanders did that yesterday. And those guys that have that straight line speed that cannot be coached, those Ronald Jones, the Christian McCaffreys, the Miles Sanders, the Delvin Cooks, that is just something that in running backs, if you are blocking well up front and they are consistent with hitting their gaps and Miles Sanders will continue to grow in that department as he gets more and more experience, man, this is just the beginning of a player who's going to be one of the most explosive backs in the NFL. Wait, I thought it was a bust of a pick, though, Gino. That's what everybody's been telling me the past couple weeks. He's only created seven out of the ten most explosive plays for this team. Yeah, he has like, and he has eight 25-plus yard plays. He has a huge kickoff under his belt against Green Bay. Like, he looked... And I will give people credit, though. He was struggling the past couple weeks running the football. But, again, he was he started one year at at Penn State. This is a guy that's super young. Even Howie Roseman said his stock, his his draft uh, value probably would have been higher if he waited a year. Maybe would have been even a first-round pick. So I thought he looked complete yesterday, his most complete performance. That 67-yard touchdown just... Yes, he has cut ability, and I don't want to discourage him from trying to create more, but he also has a lot of speed, you know, and sometimes just get, he's really good at getting skinny, bursting through holes, and just get downfield. Like, I'm not one to just be like, oh, barrel through the A-gap if there's nothing Mm. there and pick up two yards, but also at the same time, like, you have other abilities. You're not just... A, you know, a cutting type a jukes running back. You have you have straight line speed. I mean, he outran like four guys down the left sideline. Sometimes just you know kick it into that top gear and go. And he did that yesterday. I was over the moon with Miles Sanders. Would you agree? I just feel like this Eagles team has been able to sling it over the years, right? You know, Nick Foles outdueled Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, but I've never felt more comfortable. And I don't think the Eagles offense feels more comfortable than when that offensive line gets going like that when they start dominating on the ground. I mean, that fourth quarter drive was vintage Philadelphia Eagles football, a 14 play drive that killed over eight minutes at the start of the fourth quarter. I mean, that was a dagger set up eventually then by that Jordan Howard touchdown that really put the game out of reach. I mean, Kelsey and Brooks putting on a clinic that to me is when the Eagles are at their best. They did it against Green Bay. They did it against Buffalo yesterday, 218 rushing yards. That, to me, is when the Eagles' offense is most comfortable, is when they just start barreling over the defense. I mean, Ed Oliver Oliver got bullied yesterday. Yeah, he was one guy that I was kind of worried about, but they did exactly what I would thought and just took him out of the game plan completely. And they did a great job. Everybody up front, Andre Dillard in his second start, Played very well. He he had one slip up early on on the sack, but I think he responded great. Everybody on that line was great. I think Lane responded from a bad week the week prior, and they had 218 yards of rushing, the most since 2014. It, it's crazy to see, and I, I look at my Oregon Ducks in college football, and the other night they had a back go for 250 yards, and it's like, 
the Eagles were a throwing team, Oregon was a throwing team, and now I'm watching two high high powered offenses become running teams right in front of my eyes. And even Carson Wentz was getting in on the fun, and the the third down conversions he had with his legs. That's something that that's the Carson Wentz you want to see. You can't take that element away like yeah. Washington did with RG three back. Just in the don't day. die between two guys. I was seeing yeah, flashbacks no, it, of that Rams scary, play, but yeah. you have to use that to your advantage. No, you absolutely. Did. That's why you drafted everybody him. thought on that long third down they were going to try and just get the ball out, probably to Zacherts, probably to Elshon Jeffrey, and he just pulls it, finds space, converts the third down. He's he's got that killer third and Wentz instinct and. Man, the guy we haven't talked about yet, Jordan Howard. What a game by him. 4.2 yards of carry, did exactly what you wanted him to do. Picked up some dirty yards, picked up first downs. It was going to be a rough environment in the elements. Hang, hangs onto the football better than any running back I've seen the past couple years for the Eagles. Just It's so hard to not gain yards for that guy. And if you go on next-gen stats and see his, his rushing chart, there's only two red plays out of all of the carries that he had. So... Not a lot of negative out of Jordan Howard. They you have that thunder and lightning one of the combo. best in DVOA and just continue to get Miles Sanders in space, continue to let Jordan Howard pick up those yards. This team is getting fun again, Lou. Like, if they continue on, on this trend, next week should be fun. A very similar matchup to a Mitch Trubisky-led offense, which is very similar to what you saw yesterday in Buffalo. It's going to be a good game, but yeah, this this team responded well in the face of adversity, and there are a lot of winners coming out of this matchup from the Philadelphia Eagles side. They have that thunder and lightning combo at running back. It's just so fun to have players that can make more of what this offensive line is doing on the ground. And for an update, by the way, for Miles Sanders and his shoulder injury, the x-rays came back negative. Doug Peterson said on his Monday press conference that he should be fine. He's day-to-day, but he shouldn't miss any time, which is huge because when you have Howard being able to just break three different tackles and tire out the linebacking core, and then you have the lightning of Miles Sanders running wheel routes down the sidelines and being a much more decisive runner Reminded yesterday. Reminded me of 2017, dude. It was yeah, like where everybody you just keep rotating Even the guys. Boston Scott had a touchdown. Yeah, Boston Scott had his first touchdown, so shout out to uh, Boston Scott. But and just listen to a couple of these impressive stats by Miles Sanders this year. I mean, because he has been, since Deshaun Jackson has been out, he has been the one providing the explosive plays. Like you said, 7 of 10 of their 30-plus plays since Jackson's been out or I think no all season has been by the hands of Miles Sanders he leads all NFL rookies with 709 all-purpose yards he's the first NFL running back in 12 years with 450 plus scrimmage yards and 250 plus receive uh, return yards in his first seven games Adrian Peterson was the last person to do that that's a pretty good running back and he's the only NFL rookie in 2019 with 200 rushing yards and 200 receiving yards so Miles Sanders is becoming the guy that we envisioned he would be when they took him in the second round over guys like you know I mentioned it last week Mecole Hardman of the Kansas City Chiefs at wide receiver so had a game yesterday too. yeah and he and he was dominating <laughs> against the Green Bay Packers on the Sunday night so thankfully Miles Sanders looked good to make uh, me feel a little bit better about that but yeah it's look just a com- overall to recap to kind of just put a uh a nutshell to in a nutshell the offensive performance it was just it was complete i mean i think that's the best way to put it and don't box score scout carson wentz's game Besides i thought he was one sharp. guy we got to pick on one guy here okay go nuts actually two nelson Aguilar. just every time he trusted football yesterday just bad things <laughs> happened outside of that one run that he, yeah, had. he had one nice reverse play and that's I'm, I'm just so fed up with him but mac hollins went the entire calendar month of october 
without catching a football. Is JJ Ortega Whiteside hurt or is he just like in the I doghouse? Just, I, I don't know what is going on because the fact that this guy, he was not on Trey White most of the game. I mean, he was against Levi Wallace a majority of the game and he still couldn't get any separation and just doesn't factor into the game plan. I, I just don't get why he's, he's a waste on the of field. space on the field, dude. Just like, run 12 honestly... personnel and keep him off the field. I don't know if it's blocking or what it is, but it just it's inexcusable that he's What is he, played. Riley Cooper too? He's pretty much Riley yeah, Cooper 2.0. He's, he's the twenty fifteen version of Riley Cooper that just was a space eater and didn't do yep. virtually anything. He's the nose tackle of the offense. <laughs> I mean that's just <laughs> that's a no, great way to put it. Yeah, so man, I don't know. Hopefully maybe we'll see. We're gonna get into it in the next segment. There might be another wide receiver coming to town, depending on what happens at the trade deadline tomorrow. But Carson Wentz, that drive I said it yesterday. He eats third and fives for breakfast. I mean, he is so good on third down this year, Gino, and really throughout his career. That drive I was talking about where they killed eight minutes of clock. He had three huge third down pickups. You mentioned the two runs and a pass to Zach Ertz. Those were third and fives, third and tens, and third and sevens. And the one was awesome because Doug Peterson was talking about it. It was supposed to be a screen pass, and some people thought – I initially thought that it was supposed to be a fake screen like they had on the Goddard touchdown, and then it was more of a QB draw you know, through the B-gap. Mm-hmm. But that was all improv by Carson Wentz. He saw the screen pass was blown up on the right side, and he took off down the field and picked up 10 yards. And while I don't want to see him lunge in between two defenders like that, because that's literally how he tore his ACL in 2017, like you said, you can't take away that killer instinct, that mobility, because once again, that is why you draft him. He did. Absolutely. He, he ran the football really well yesterday. You can tell he's got his legs under him. Once again, he's, he's healthy. Yeah. And his escapability in the pocket too. There was that one play where we thought he was about to get sacked and, fortunately gets out of the pocket it wasn't a complete pass but it was early on and that's a big play like they were taking some big sacks and just for his escapability had his legs back under him he just looked confident and some of the throws he's making man are just incredible like that touchdown pass to Dallas Goddard was so seamless for him just to move around the pocket fake the screen to Alshon Jeffrey reset his feet it was so just smooth get to space and find Dallas Goddard it just a flick of the wrist it was just it was like he was playing in another league compared to these guys. It's just a, a lot of people were saying that Josh Allen had a similar day to Carson Wentz. I, I don't see no that way. at all. I, <laughs> I saw it with my eyes. He was efficient. One of the, a lot of the intercept or the incompletions he had were due to the wind, like the one ball to to um, Zach Ertz when he's fading to his right. That wind oh, took yeah, that yeah, ball yeah. probably like five yards. It was outside really of that though. Like you're completing seventy percent of your throws in that wind, like. Get out of here. It's Josh so Allen was under 50. I mean, he, he completed over 70% of his throws and what wind felt like. I mean, that, that wind, you know, did not die down at all. So he has now done this in super tough road environments multiple times this year against great defenses. And even though some of them have come in losses, Minnesota, Atlanta, he has also looked great in those games and against Green Bay and Buffalo. And you can look at the Packers game, and sure, he didn't. He threw for under 200 yards, and Carson Wentz threw for under 200 yards again on Sunday. But once again, if you're box score scouting his performances in, the, in these games, then you are just it's, – it's irresponsible. That's, that's how I would put it because he has been awesome in these kind of situations. Yesterday – I looked at Carson Wentz, and just when he was out there, he wasn't phased in that environment. It was loud. 
he did everything he needed to do to win that game. I thought Doug Peterson, once he got in a rhythm, really called a great game. I, the the runs were great. They just imposed their will. And this team really goes as far as the trenches go, I would say. And yesterday was a perfect example of that because they took over the run game in a tough environment. They just imposed their will on that Buffalo line. Their linebackers were doing them no favors, missing all those tackles. And the defensive line got to Josh Allen. We talked about a guy who holds on to the football, seemingly did exactly what we expected yesterday. And for the Bills to just continue to run him as a runner, to me, is crazy. And the defense got to him. I mean, that was... The Eagles are the best run defense in the league for a reason. Jim Schwartz will not give up the run, but you would take your quarterback and willingly throw him against the line that has Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, and Fletcher Cox for what reason? Three strips All because sacks, he went the out there the and day. fumbled the football. Exactly mm-hmm. why we have one of the best run defenses because they will create turnovers on quarterbacks. They will get in there into those rough areas, make havoc for your quarterback and for your running backs. They've done it for to Delvin Cook. They've done it to everybody that they've thrown out there running the football. So for the Bills to do what they did yesterday, I didn't love that game plan from them. And Eagles really outcoached them on this on this game. They got yeah, they outcoached some, last week in Dallas, and they they turned around and outcoached Buffalo this week. They had some weird decisions from Brian Dabble, the Bills' offensive coordinator. Like the Eagles had a huge four down stop in their own territory on Josh Allen. Ronald Darby made a hell of a play on fourth down, and it just I didn't really understand why the Bills did that. If they took the points, they were going with the wind. It would have been an eight point ball game. So. But the Eagles were able to get off the field, and hey, that that defense really did keep them in the in the game early on. They the Bills had an opportunity with a minute left in the half. They were up seven to three, and they just got the ball back. And I thought the turning point was on the very next play of that drive. Brandon Graham gets to Josh Allen, strip sacks. The Eagles get a short field, and they punch it in and get an eleven to seven lead. When this Eagles team has a lead, the offense plays better and the defense plays better. And it was nice to be on the opposite end of those short fields this week, Gino, because the Eagles, that's oh, the, like the absolutely. recipe. If this, de- if this defense can get turnovers and get the Eagles the ball with short fields, they're, they are one of the best red zone offenses in football, and that was huge on Sunday. I mean, Fletcher Cox getting there, Derek Barnett, and Brandon Graham. The defensive line is starting to take off. For once, man, it's good to just know that the pressure was there because the coverage was there. We've mm-hmm. talked about it all year, and... I just feel bad for Fletcher Cox. You look at him in the last two weeks, he he looks healthy. He's got two and a half sacks under his belt. Even though the coverage wasn't there last week, he still got to Dak, but the coverage was there yesterday, and he finishes with one and a half sacks. So now imagine, if we're going to preface it, you go out and happen to get a very good cornerback before tomorrow at 4 p.m., those sacks are going to be coming in bunches even more, and Derek Barnett and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox might all be on pace to hit that 10-sack mark, which I projected them before the season, because they are the three guys that are getting it done. And you go out and add on the edge, I think this team has a lot to go in the department of play calling on offense and defense, because they're limited in what they have personnel-wise. This is a big 24 hours coming up here for Howie Roseman, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and look, there's still some work to do. They gave up three third and long plays on the drive that made it 17-13. to I feel like the defense always gives up points after the offense scores, and the units need to take more advantage of each other when the other unit is having success. I think that's something they need to really work on is getting in sync 
the offense and defense playing well together, and I thought they did that in the second half. But yeah, you got to stop those third and 14 conversions. On the one drive, they, the Bills converted a third and 14, a third and 13, and then a third and eight. And they're still, Jim Schwartz, I'll give you credit, man. Like you adjusted, you had your corners playing up, you dared the Bills to throw down the field which is a weak point of Josh Allen's also in that wind. At the same time, though, like the Bills probably should have had a touchdown to Robert Foster. Ronald Darby, Ronald Darby got burned, and Rodney McLeod was kind of in that no-man's land where there's just no way he's getting to either side. And they continue to do that, which is something that bothers me schematically. And, you know, still some dumb penalties, the Boston Scott fumble. But overall, before we get into the deadline talk, Gino, I just thought it was, once again, a complete performance by both sides. And I feel I feel satisfied heading into Chicago week. There's still some things that we shot ourselves in the foot. I think like that Malcolm Jenkins penalty on Josh Allen. Yeah, that was no dumb. need for that. You just kept him on the field when it was unnecessary to do so. Another still, roughing the passer call, too. Yep, still a couple areas of, of weakness, just like, uh, not getting off the field on third down, better quarterbacks will make you pay for that. But overall, it's it's really the game we wanted to see, a complete game from both sides of the football. We were waiting to see the sacks and the turnovers come. They came. We were waiting for the offense to just continue to impose their will and call a good game script, which they did quarters two through four. Still waiting for a fast start, but quarters two through four, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, Elshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, each of them stepped up in a respective moment and made a play for Carson Wentz when they needed to because we've been waiting for guys to go out there and make plays. This week they really stepped up for Carson Wentz, and I'm happy how this group responded, and that was some Philadelphia Eagles football yesterday. All right, so where they go now is a very interesting conversation that we're going to get into coming up next in the Lockdown Eagles podcast because the NFL trade deadline is tomorrow at 4 o'clock. And now that the Eagles are 4-4 four and four with the season seemingly saved for now, there are some players still on the market that I think the Eagles should go after, as do you, Gino. And uh, we, 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 I don't want to say we talked to Howie Roseman yesterday, but we got some communication from the Eagles general manager at the game in Buffalo yesterday. So we're going to get into that next, coming up right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Eagles fans across the globe, welcome back to this Monday edition of the show. We are wrapping it up with some trade deadline talk. Because, Gino, if they were 3-5, and five, I feel like part of the reason Howie Roseman was... I don't want to say holding holding back, because he did try to get Jalen Ramsey. He didn't go all in, but he did offer a first and second round pick. There was reports he offered a first and Nelson Aguilar for Patrick Peterson. So he has been, you know, calling teams up. He was also talking with the Denver Broncos about wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders before he got traded to the San Francisco 49ers. But at the same time, I do think there was some hesitation considering where the Eagles were at 3-4, and four, two blowout losses. If they lost in Buffalo and they looked the same as they had, I wouldn't give up draft value. But now that they're 4-4, four and four, they put together their most probably their most complete game of the season. With the deadline tomorrow, now 
I think Howie Roseman should go in on a, um, you know, a Chris Harris, right, or a Rodney Anderson. That, to me, is where they should go now. And why don't you tell the story? I mean, on the sideline, you were telling him to trade for Anderson, and uh, he gave, he definitely, he, he didn't ignore it. So this isn't the first time that I've gotten some inside sources. I did break the Corey Graham trade, or not trade, signing back the signing, last yeah. year. Not my most glorious moment seeing that Corey Graham stunk in 2018. <laughs> but yeah, as Lou was saying, I, every time I go to a game, I like to get right down by the field, right in the front and watch practice. Just see how it was going. We, it was really cool. We were right by Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard while they were stretching and saw Miles Sanders getting ready to take some punt returns. And it was a cool little environment. And then we saw some the, the Eagles fan who always paints his face and has the shoulder pads on. And we saw who... Uh, Clark from NBCSN and we're just seeing a lot of Philly faces and then Dougie P comes out and then all of a sudden out of nowhere you just see Howie Roseman's literally 10 feet away from us I I didn't even realize it and he's looking at the fans and I go Howie we gonna trade for Robbie Anderson he kind of looked my way tossed a thumbs up to Lou and I it's kind of surreal so I mean who knows it's a guy that they have been connected to for a long time and they wanted to do it last year they wanted to do it this year, we've heard. So let's get it done. Howie seems like a guy who wants to make a move. They missed out on Leonard Williams, which I'm not too sad about. Because yeah, he I got traded to the Giants I today for a third-round pick. I see them paying a third defensive tackle now that you have Malik uh, Jackson there still coming back next year. Tim Jernigan but, coming back in a couple weeks. Exactly, Tim Jernigan as well. But to make a move at wide receiver makes a ton of sense. Robbie Anderson a guy who's making $3 million plus million, which is very cheap for a guy of his production. Nelson Aguilar looks like a guy who's seemingly losing favor in Philadelphia. You bring in Robbie Anderson for, let's say, a second-round pick. That's a guy that you sign right now to a three-, four-year deal. Oh, at 26 years be, old, I would hope so, yeah. Without a doubt, and a guy you can grow with and look at two teams with we we'll look at a team with two speed elements in the in the Kansas City Chiefs and Tyreek Hill with a great quarterback. You have Nicole Hardman, Tyreek Hill for Patrick Mahomes. That's a combination Robbie Anderson to Sean Jackson for Carson Wentz that starts to light some eyebrows up. You know, it starts to raise some eyebrows and another name that has been connected to them as well. It's getting some a lot of heat in the last couple hours here is Darius Slay. That's a the guy move that, to me. Like if if he is available that's the move at corner. Like throw, happen. yeah, throw Chris yes, Harris man. out the window. Throw Patrick Peterson out the window. Like Darius Slay is the guy I want. Give them a first round pick for Darius Slay. I'll trade a second for you know Robbie Anderson. I want both. I mean those those are the two. Oh, for sure. If I had to list the guys that I want the most right now, it's probably Slay, Robbie Anderson, Chris Harris. I don't think the Cardinals are going to make Patrick Peterson available. They're three, four, and one right now. Their season's very much alive. Why you would trade Peterson right now at 29 years old, like you were just talking about with Slay, doesn't really make sense to me. But yeah, look, if Slay, if, if they want to talk about Slay, that, that to me is the move. I still want a wide receiver or cornerback more than a defensive tackle, than a linebacker, because I think there's an immediate need for that. Like They have to bring in some speed right now. D- Deshaun Jackson, we don't know when he's going to come back. He's going to get mixed into practice this week. He could return against Chicago. It's probably more likely that they take that bye week after the Bears game and get him back for that Patriots matchup at Lincoln Financial Field. But they got to bring speed 
even without Deshaun Jackson, because, and even when he comes back, because you don't know how healthy he's going to be. You don't know if he can be able to play the the rest of the season when he does return. And at the same time, some people are like, okay, but when Deshaun Jackson returns, like him and Robbie Anderson have the same role. I mean, for me, Gino, like Deshaun Jackson has a lot of his success in the slot and reduced mm-hmm. splits. Alshon Jeffrey can play inside. I think Robbie Anderson could do it too. Like that's not something I'm it like. Opens oh, up the field. Yeah, you. I'm not. I'm not going to say. Oh, none of them are slot receivers, so I'm not trading for Robbie Anderson. To me, I'm making that work with those three. We'll see, man. Twenty, a little over twenty four hours away. Holiday yeah. season. And even if they don't go crazy, even if they don't bring Slay in, even if they don't make a trade for Patrick Peters, Robbie Anderson, they got to do something. Even if it's Robert Foster from the Buffalo Bills, who yesterday almost had a. Big, deep touchdown. I mean, that's a guy that had a lot of 25, 30-plus yard plays last year with Josh Allen, who's very inaccurate down the field. So overall, I just hope they do something within the next 24 hours. And we're going to keep you guys posted. We'll be ready for an emergency podcast if the Eagles do, in fact, make a move. If not, though, we'll be back tomorrow after the trade deadline, and we'll recap all of the news. And hopefully it's a crazy one. I mean, a lot of the trades have already happened. But, you know, last year the NFL trade deadline was – it was pretty crazy, and the Eagles made a move for Golden Tate. So, and they're in the same spot now at four and four. They should be in the market once again to buy some talent and help really kickstart a playoff run here down the stretch. That's going to do it for today's edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Thank you for joining in on this Monday edition of the show. The Eagles get a 31 to 13 win over the Buffalo Bills on Sunday to get to four and four. We will be back tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on any provider or on LockdownEagles.com. And the conversation always continues on Twitter at LockdownBirds, at DiBiase, LOE, and at Gino underscore LOE. For my co-host Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go Birds. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.